Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Maria to my Tony. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Yeah, and our our very own Bernardo. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing? Oh, stellar. Just just fine and dandy. Just fine. All right, so we we invoked the secret power last week. We thought we had to do it. We couldn't take it anymore, especially losing against Jimmy Gold Jackets and the 49ers. We invoked the secret power. We all picked against this this San Francisco 49ers, and once again, our power was overwhelming. We could it could not be stopped. The secret power worked. Seahawks win 30 to 23. And I just gotta know, uh, how good did that win feel, Kevin? Like how 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 much was that win just needed for for mental health mental health reasons? You know, I think uh, I think the thing that made the win sweetest was uh, I was at the game. Uh, thank you, producer Brett. Uh, and I was up at the Hawks Nest, and two rows behind me, and like probably about like seven seats over, there was a group of six 49ers fans and the whole first half, they were just insufferable. And the whole fourth quarter, they were completely silent and it was the best. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. This just, um, it was crazy watching the game on TV, how many like red coats and red, you know, like stuff there was in the, in the crowd. It was, Oh yeah. A ton. I mean, if four at four and eight, or four, or sorry, three and eight. You expect stuff like that, right? Like it, it demotivates you to go to the game. And also, San Francisco does have a pretty decent following up here as a fellow West Coast team. So it's not surprising that they uh, that they, they drew it here. But man, it sucked to. I'm not. I'm not see. mad. I'm so just disappointed. So it was cool. It was still the the twelves were loud when when we needed to be. It was it was, that stadium was loud over the TV at least. Kevin was allowed in person too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't the loudest, but it was. It had a good volume to it. It definitely, especially like as the charge kind of started towards the end of the second half or towards the end of the second quarter, and then into the second half, like the crowd got back into it big time, and it felt like a Seahawks game again. The first quarter, it didn't. Yeah. So Eric. Well, um, from mental mentality perspective, how good did that? <laughs> how good did that win feel? Are, are you really? I know you're you're saying like uh, you've been joking that you want the Seahawks just lose every game so they bl- blow it up or whatever. But how how uh how good did it feel to get the get the dub against the 49ers? It surprisingly felt really good. I I don't want to lose every game because I do have hometown pride, but also the Jets have our first round draft pick, and that is that's just tragic. But you can't let the Jets have nice things. Come on. Seriously, what are they going to do with it? They're going to standing tradition. They're going to draft Aaron Curry part two. Jets fans have been taking victory laps on the internet the last three weeks. And man, I just want to win every game mostly to stick it to them. Like, I don't <laughs> even, I don't even care. Like people are like, Oh, we could still make the playoffs. I'm like, I don't care. We can miss the playoffs. But if we just miss the playoffs by like one game and we get, give up the, the 17th pick or whatever it oh, is, right. That'd be so it's, good. It's fine. Like who cares? And, and then all the Jets fans who've been taking victory laps for having the two picks in the top five can just like, Seriously, go go! Yeah, congratulations, your team sucks so bad you get a top five pick again. Congratulations, Hang Joe Namath is never one, coming back. One top five pick, your own, exactly. That's it, as usual. No, it felt really good to win because, um, you know, I I hate the 49ers. I always want to beat the 49ers, and I do want to see my team do well. It's very frustrating where we're at, but it was one of those things like oh, I don't care about this. I'm going to watch it, and then I became very happy watching it. It reminded me of. Uh, although there are still frustrating things, reminded me of of good time Seahawk foosball. Yeah, so it was great. And so uh, let's start it off on the offense, and especially in the run game, the block god, 
Travis Homer. <laughs> right, right to start the game off, baby. Just ripping off a 73-yard run. Uh, just incredible. Love Travis Homer. It was good to see him, you know, rip off a big run, even though we know his role in the offense probably will never and should never expand that much. Having him as a change of pace, a really good blocker, a good special teamer. He's a good guy to have around the team. And you love to see guys like that get a little. You could do a a lot worse for a fourth running back. Exactly. You want to see those guys just kind of around. Now, the two main running backs getting we did run. We ran in this game. 21 rushes between these two guys. Uh, 10 for Rashad Penny, 11 for Adrian Peterson. So let's start with Penny. Penny looked fine. Not great. Not terrible. Fine. But just like a like a normal like running a, back. An average running back <laughs> looked eight. Adrian Peterson looked terrible. <laughs> Outside of rush, two plays, very bad. Eleven rushes for sixteen yards and a and a fumble. Uh, not a great line. Uh, touchdown. I think it's very likely that he kind of his role coalesces as like goal line back only. Would you guys kind of agree with that? Yeah, that's not really Penny's forte. It's just it's just going to be when we have the ball and there's less than three yards to go, like here, hand it to the battering ram, hand it to grandpa and let, let, let him go to work. Which I don't really know if I trust that. I I just know that Pete Carroll was very excited to get Adrian Peterson. And now I feel like he is how, just on the roster. How stupid see, was that? Is, he, Pete heard he was a rascal. And what he didn't realize was it meant he drives a <laughs> rascal. He, Pete, Pete's like in the press conference, like, oh, I've just always wanted to coach Adrian Peterson. It's we like finally got him. What are you talking about? That's a dumb reason to sign someone. So you're telling me you didn't claim Philip Lindsay off of waivers and all and apparently we're gonna win out and we only care about winning and we're not done yet. I saw that post game. We're not done yet. But you now you you're gonna go sign Adrian Peterson. Signing Adrian Peterson was the clearest sign that you are done yet. So what I'm hearing is Pete's roster management is the same as Donald in our fantasy football league, who just gets much <laughs> Seahawks because he likes them so much. That's I'm I'm really glad we can confirm I mean, all of our thoughts about Pete as a general manager. <laughs> I mean, people used to make jokes that Pete Carroll would get guys that he scouted or played against in college, right? So that he's these are the guys he knows. But uh, after seeing that wasn't him, a joke. That wasn't that doesn't seem like a joke anymore. It doesn't seem very funny. And it's it's uh it's not funny. I'm not laughing. I do have an important follow up question, though. Yes, go ahead. Um, if he scores one more touchdown to pass Jim Brown, um, what do you guys think the odds are that he goes into the Hall of Fame with the Seahawks jersey? I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. so, Seahawks legend. Seahawks legend. It'll be, I, so I who is your uh, a switch of pace back? Oh, God, no, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to have to beat that joke down for you, Kevin. Um, it's uh, it's abuse. So, okay, uh, Kevin, who is your o- who is your offensive hero in this game? Oh, uh, my offensive hero. You know, I'm gonna go with somebody who I uh, really. Uh, there was a play that brought the energy, and that was uh, DK's reception that brought the ball ball basically down to the goal line um, for a really important score as the momentum started to turn uh, when our offense wasn't doing much of anything. I'm gonna say DK Metcalf. Nice. All right. Eric, who is your offensive hero in this game? As much as I'd like to give it to Travis Homer for uh, just running the fastest I've ever seen him, I I had to watch that uh, the third time to actually see Travis Homer for you know take off from the line. I gotta give it to Tyler Lockett. I feel like I don't know how many years we're gonna have Tyler, and he is he's getting well, he's, older. His ascension uh, hasn't even started yet, so I four, know four. <laughs> he has he has a lot of money coming to him. But this is a guy who I feel is going to get injured fast. 
And that was a vintage locket game. When the, you're saying like when, when the game. when the decline starts, it's going to be swift. Is that yeah? Is that and your I, prediction? maybe I'm saying that because of Doug Baldwin and the similarities, but I I'm scared of it. I do love Tyler. I'm mad at the extension, but whatever. Um, it's it was just good to see vintage locket because when you look at the the Seahawks seasons that have been squandered, uh, the this year in particular because we're here. This is this is a guy that you want to see get a Super Bowl, and this is a guy you want to see just just win. And he loves to win. He's been so good for us. Got to give it to Tyler Lockett. We have six catches on the game. Um, Sixty. Uh, wait, hold on. Wait, seven catches right here in my notes. Sixty-eight yards. Um, vintage Lockett. Vintage Lockett. I'm gonna go with uh, Stone Forsyth. Oh, I was gonna came, bring him up as an honorable mention. Came, yeah, I agree. Came came into the game. Fourteen snaps. Did not. Um, play noticeably bad and uh the and kept the uh kind of the the momentum going when shell went down i don't know i i think they might have actually found something in stone forsyth and like yeah it's it's 14 snaps against the 49ers and uh that's not a huge sample but i'm excited to see the potential there and uh, maybe he's part of the succession plan at, at right tackle and that that's or maybe left tackle and that's pretty cool that we found if we found a guy in the sixth round that actually can play. That's very Patriots-esque of us to find an offensive lineman who can play that late in the draft. So I would love it. It would be very exciting. I'm, I'm not ready to hand the keys to the kingdom or to to him or anything, but it is nice to know he's serviceable because it was worrying that Jake Curhan seemed to be kind of completely overtaken his his role in the uh, as the backup tackle. And boy, Jake Curhan was not good in this game. I was about to say, that's the other thing, though, is now it makes you go, why was Jake Erhand overtaking his role mm-hmm. when Jake Erhand has played you, like garbage most of the season? Do you think it's a mentality thing? Like they did, they think that Stone, they're preparing Stone for the future. And while Kerhand they know is not part of their future. So they're like, yeah, bury him. It doesn't matter if he's mentally broken. Whereas Stone Forsyth, it's like, we want to send him out ready so that he can be successful. They're trying to set him up for success a little bit. I, I don't know that that's yeah, the I only feel thing like I that's likely of. to be the truth, but man, is it frustrating? Cause, cause if you, you don't want to, you don't want to like break the mentality of a guy you actually think might be part of your, your long-term future. Whereas, and it's also possible like Forsyth, maybe they only wanted to play him at left tackle or something. You know what I mean? This or, is us yeah. starting Trey flowers for weeks when Trey Brown was just a clearly better player. Yes. It is yes. the exact same thing. It's, and guess what? That was frustrating too. It's very, it's very Pete for sure. <laughs> Um, all right. Uh, on offensive side of the ball, there's no other standouts, but let's just talk a little bit about the game flow. So the Seahawks get the homer run, big run, go up seven, nothing. And then San Francisco kind of starts uh, crushing us. George Kittle is just killing the Seahawks. Nine receptions for 181 yards and two touchdowns. And I'm just going to say, like, you, it, this guy has been in our division for a long time. And Ryan, Ryan Neal got killed by him three receptions uh, for 87 yards win against Neil and Kittle Kittle. uh, He just killed everyone, no matter who he threw at him, but especially the safeties Diggs, Neil Adams, like those guys all spent time covering Kittle. They were nine, nine times targeted those guys for seven receptions and a hundred. I'm doing math in my head right now. 118, I don't know, 150 something yards. It's like, into both touchdowns. So yeah, it's it was rough out there for us cutting through. We need to find a way to stop that guy. And I know we beat San Francisco anyway, so maybe we're doing the old uh we'll give them Kittle and then take away everyone else, but I did not enjoy that 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 very much. Mm-hmm. So uh yeah, that that was like uh 
the thing. But then, you know, the end of the game, we end the we end the half with a D Eskridge touchdown. At uh, the end, we end the half, and it starts to seem like, hey, maybe we're where uh, the momentum is swinging, the pendulum is swinging back our way. Let's talk a little D Eskridge. Okay, this is the first game I feel like where D Eskridge was really a a bigger part of the offense based on the stats, based on the, what we saw. So, um, is this guy? What is what is D Eskridge's role? I think moving forward as we as we move forward in the offense. What do you think, Kevin? Well, the thing is, I really thought that he'd be running some uh, jet sweeps and things like that. But that has just been completely pulled out of our offense. That's not even a thing in our toolbook, in our toolkit right now. He gets like so, one. He gets like one a game, and not even one in this game. We did yeah. zero, right? Yeah, exactly. And I would like to start seeing that. So I think um, Eskridge, his big thing is he's best as a slot receiver, though he can play outside. I did notice we had DK in the slot quite a bit, and I really like him in trips formations because he's a guy that's easy to lose track of, and his like he gears up to his top speed really well. His acceleration is impressive. So I, I can see us using him a lot in situations like that where we can guarantee he doesn't get pressed on the line because he is a little bit of a slight guy and he's learning how to kind of deal with that in the NFL. Uh, I think that he's kind of moving into that number three receiver role. Like he's uh, challenging Freddie Swain for those touches. And I think that's where I would like to have seen him all season. Um, he's really quick. So quick outbreaking routes, things like that, because they have to respect his speed. It's kind of like what happens with DK where no one wants to get up on him because he could take the top off them. But at the same point in time, if you give him a cushion, if he breaks in or breaks out, it's really hard to catch up to him. Uh, and so speaking of the slot stops, you know, DK took 10 in the slot. Tyler took 20. D- Dwayne Eskridge took nine and and Swain took 12 and Everett took 11. So they're, they're really changing up guys who, who they're using in the slot and uh, kind of using them all as interchangeable parts, which I think is what you should do. Yep. Uh, it's good, really good yeah. teams kind of move guys around the formation to make it difficult for the defense to figure out what you're doing and to figure out how they want to defend what you're doing. And so I, I really like, I, I agree, Kevin, like getting to, yeah, we did a lot more, of motions in and out of trips, formations, things like that. Mm-hmm. I agree. Getting him more involved in the, uh, in the offense and, and it felt it. like a good Waldron game okay. for that reason. Like we weren't, I, I wasn't calling plays for the defense when I watched the game. Yeah, I think okay. So here's the thing, um, we gotta talk about Gerald Everett. We got the Everett sweep that we've been complaining about all year, and then he probably had, I think, the worst game possible in this yes. game. Would he you had agree the with that? Second worst drop by a tight end uh, this week. It was horrible. It was, it was not quite as bad as Andrews. Yeah, he's he him and Mark Andrews both should they should have like a meeting where they talk to each other about how they feel and stuff because man. It was not good. And yeah, the two of them need a healing circle together. I agree. I, I like the talent, Gerald Everett. I like the talent, but I don't want, I really don't, nothing I've seen this season makes me want them to really pony up for him next season. Does that make sense? No, like, but also everything I've seen this season tells me we wouldn't have to pony up for him. Yeah, if, <laughs> if, if, if he can come back and it's relatively cheap, I'm fine with Gerald Everett for three, four million dollars, whatever. We can run that back. I'm okay with that. But if, that, if Gerald Everett's like out there demanding, you know, multiple years or, uh, ten million dollars in guaranteed money. It, uh, okay, that's someone cool. else can guarantee him that. Someone yeah, else. Can he is getting him. three years, twenty two million, something like that. Next yeah, year. I could see it, and I just don't think we should pay it. No, I feel like that he is a um, he he's somebody that you can spend a third round pick on. Like yeah. in almost any draft, you can draft a Gerald Everett in like the third round. 
He's he's had big games like the eight catches against Green Bay and like the the Everett sweep obviously shows they they see something in there with the uh, athleticism. But I'm just I'm just not into it. I'm 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 ready to to he's he's fine. I'm I'm right. We'll ride it out this season. One one last ride, big dog. And then we'll uh, we'll let it we'll let it go. So, so uh, any other offensive notes before we move on to the defense and talk about um, Gerald Everett carving us up, but then some other stars that we had. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just one real quick thing. I did like a couple of things. So we started off with a, so if I remember, it was the first play of the game. We did like an immediate, uh, snap screen to, uh, DK. Mm-hmm. And I think it went for like one yard or minus one yard. And I know that doesn't seem like a good thing. I like that play. I so... like that play just because I like the precedence of we are feeding touches to DK to see if he can break one tackle and make a play. And I want that. Russ, nine passes behind the line of scrimmage and then uh, 18 more of 10 yards or less. Only two incompletions on those passes. I think Russ heard the criticism that he does not throw short enough. His average depth of target in this game was 7.8, which is you know, pretty, pretty uh, low for Russ. And that and time he- to throw. Ooh. And, and yeah, it's time to throw his 2.42 seconds. So he was he was getting the ball out quick. He was dropping back and moving the ball. A lot of um, people originally said mallet finger. This is the week that Russ would be healthy, right? This is the week that um that he would be 100 percent. And he did look he looked a lot better than he has in the past weeks. And I don't know if it's like the criticism's finally working or if the finger's just fully healthy. So he feels confident making those accuracy short throws that maybe he wasn't I uh, wasn't feeling. Yeah, it wasn't uh, a great Russ game, but Russ was good enough to lead a team to victory. The other one I liked was that late screen to Penny. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like we had a couple of plays today where we used Penny the way that he should be used. Um, I would love to see even more like tosses, stretch or runs, yeah. stretch runs where maybe we're doing uh, or doing like an orbit motion or uh, doing like a double handoff type thing. Something get to get him into space. space, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. it's tough to build your offense around Penny when you know he's going to get hurt in eight more plays, but they need to watch what Green Bay does with Aaron Jones because there's no hey, reason that we more could... plays than postage. <laughs> we than, just... uh, uh, there's oh, all right. We, Kevin. There's, we need to watch what they do with Aaron Jones because those stretch plays, those zone runs on the outside, like those, that's Aaron Jones's bread and butter, right? And that Penny yeah. is excellent at that same kind of play. And that's the thing that sucks about Penny is that when he's healthy, he's pretty good, you know, but he just can't stay on the field. And I don't think he was great in this game, but he was good. And, you know, I, I think that there's greatness. There's flashes of greatness we saw in this game. And if he plays two more games, I guarantee you he's going to look really good in at least one of them. Yeah, but well, you're asking just, a lot. Two more just, games. Yeah, I was going to say, just he might not play two more games. It's truly, truly a cursed career for the young man, which sucks because he carried like, he did like 400 carries his senior year of college or something. Yep. It's Thanks, ridi- Ivan. Ridic- ridiculous um, that he can't tote the rock for us. All right, let's go to the defense. The hero obviously is a guy who played seven plays, got one <laughs> sack, one batted pass, one run stop. He's found he's That's called he efficiency. Is, he is publicly complaining about his role in the defense, but he's he had, I think, his game of the season and I think showed that he probably has more juice than than we're giving him credit for. He needs to be playing a little bit more, especially over Gary Hyder. So so um yeah, uh, Carlos Dunlap, my man, 
just just a just a great game. Can we game. stop having Carlos Dunlap drop into coverage and just have him rush the passer on early downs cuz he's really good at that. Questionable questionable guys were dropping into coverage. Uh Dunlap for 1, Mayoa for 8. Yes. Uh, Bless and Austin for 4 cuz he just shouldn't be on the field. <laughs> yes, that's uh okay. Rash- Rashim Green for 1, uh Daryl Taylor for 1. Like these are all questionable times. I'm, I'm okay with Terrell Taylor. He, he I, legitimately can play some linebacker stuff. Like he's not atrocious in. Uh, I don't in coverage. I don't want to do it. It's should and the the, the bare minimum though is that at least Al Woods and Puna Ford didn't drop into the coverage in this game, which they have done <laughs> several times this season. So Pete, way to go. Um, yeah, Puna Ford has dropped into coverage four times this season. That is five and, more times than it should have happened. And Al Woods Absolutely. has Al Woods has dropped into coverage three times this season, including twice in one game. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, sometimes I wonder like, is Pete Carroll just trolling me in particular? Cause I look at those stats. Like I don't understand what's going on, but okay, let's dig uh, in. Pete, turns out Pete Carroll is just doing these things on bar bets. Okay. I got, I got done. <laughs> I took, I took Dunlap. Um, good luck finding another one. Here you go, boys. No, I'm just kidding. There's some the good place. Yeah. But Ke- today we got some Kevin, pretty good stuff going on. Kevin, who's your, who's your defensive here on this game? All right, so I think there's a couple of different people that I could choose to take. Um, I'm going to let Eric choose first. Thank you, oh, Kevin. It, I, was, I was really hoping you would. Okay. Do you have, you have a strong... Because I feel like, there, I feel like uh, there's two... Nathan. I feel like there's kind of two clear choices, and uh, I, I was like, I would just take either one of them. Who cares? But uh, go ahead, Eric. What do you think? Uh, I'm basically going with my love of, of Seahawk... Um, Seahawk foundation pieces. I'm going Ooh, Bobby Wagner. Bobby, yeah. yeah. Bobby is uh, sooner than Lockett. Uh, I don't know if there'll be a drop off, but you know Wagner. I just maybe because I'm just getting so so sad about where the season's at. I'm like spelling doom for how the Seahawks it's, are going to end. But it's it just seems like Bobby is at some point is going to slow down a little bit. And early in the season, I thought you know maybe I saw it. And I think he's he's not the once great, uh, you know, perfect Bobby Wagner he was. But man, this game, it just felt like vintage Bobby. In the last few games, it felt that way. And he's still the anchor in the middle of our defense. And he's uh, going to yeah. set the NFL record for for tackles. He's still <laughs> there to catch the uh, only that out. Yeah, I was going to say he's still there to catch the annual Jimmy Garoppolo uh, pass directly to a linebacker. He's, That's- he's actually on pace to beat the NFL record for tackles if the game the season was sixteen games. So, oh, I hope he a, does it in sixteen. In a in a seventeen game season, he's definitely going to break it. Um, so yeah, Bobby's been killing it, and you're right; he's going to drop off because you can't when you set the NFL record for tackles. There's nowhere to go but but down. This is true, and <laughs> you can break your own record. You know, uh, Elijah, Elijah Mitchell had a what, uh, 68, 66 yards, something like that. Um, yeah. It's it's in big part to our, our linebacking crew. And, yeah, the, uh, their wide receivers had trouble in this game uh, and they had trouble running the ball. It was really just Kittle. Well, when you can't really throw deep and you have to just go to Kittle on, you know. God, this guy is so, in- Kittle is so annoying. Kittle is so annoying, too, the way he like gets up after every play and like he's just ah, so he's yeah, he jumps up and down anyway kevin yeah. go ahead he's definitely one of those ultimate he's like sherm like you like you could see how if he's on your team you love him and if he's on their team you hate you him hate him uh so Diggs is a guy who obviously i could go with here he got that interception on uh the ball where garoppolo was so paranoid about throwing it to two linebackers underneath that he airmailed it to a safety 
but I'm going to actually go with a different set of players. I'm going to pick a pair and I'm going to pick a pair of players that I really like as pieces moving forward because I think we should be re-signing Rasheem Green on what will be a reasonable contract. And Rasheem Green plus Daryl Taylor, they combined for six pressures on the day. Um, and I think that they are two pieces that move towards a quality NFL pass rush. And I just like that it's been a while since I saw a game where the two of those players disappeared on me. You know, it's, it's like we always used to talk about with Cliff April. Cliff April never disappeared. He was, he, he didn't have a sack in every single game, but he showed up somewhere in the pressure stats every single game. Um, you know, that was all, that was our big criticism of Clowney when he was here is that you'd have games where he took over and games where he might as well not have suited up. Um, I really like players who show up game in and game out consistently are able to get their pressures, even if some of them are, you know, uh, coverage sacks or hustle pressures for continuing well after, you know, the, the Grant Wistrom pressure. Um, mm. Oh, the engine. But, uh, uh, you know, real lunch pail kids, son of a coach, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, but even if that's where the stat's coming from, it's a matter of having people who, other teams know you can't just take forever to throw the ball because Taylor and green are eventually coming. Like they might not be able to beat their man. Like, you know, like Dunlap beat his guy, like a drum uh, for the, uh, for the safety, but they're going to get there. There is something of a timer on the play, no matter what. And picking up one more piece, which we could definitely draft in this upcoming draft. um, It it gives me hope about the future. It's troubling though because when Puna Ford is no longer going to cost like seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a season after this year, mm. so it's it feels like we had uh, we kind of had we wasted uh, a window. We had a window right there where we could build around a, a defensive lineman who is pretty good for extremely cheap, and kind of put guys next to him that would make us more successful. And instead, it's just like, yep. Uh, well, though now that's Taylor on a rookie deal. You can hope that Puna Ford is uh, is not as expensive. Maybe teams still talk themselves into not overpaying him because he's short. But uh, I don't know. I bet you he moves on. And uh, okay, big props, Sidney Jones, who had a good game on the outside, kind of contained uh, Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk wasn't able to really get anything uh, significant going. And, uh, and DJ big, Reed, big prop, big props to Quandre Diggs, the safety that didn't play super horrible, got a pick. Um, yeah. Quandre's great. We should have resigned him last year. I don't know what the yep. hell. He's going to cost way too much and he's going to go somewhere else now. Yeah, it's just like we lost maybe, him because maybe. we lost him because we were just we we were ahead of the curve. We could have got him for cheap and instead we just we just kind of let that go. Just so. didn't. Um yeah, cool. I'm uh, very very sad about it cool, in cool, in, cool, it, cool, cool. in advance. All right, uh punt punt hub uh coverage. Uh yeah, Michael Dixon still really good. Oh dude, that 58 yarder that got called back was so pretty to watch in person. Yeah, he had a 65 yarder in this game. It's crazy. He's just really good at at football. He'll probably be this, you know, a top five punter for the Seahawks for as long oh, as we have him. And it's uh, it's it's great. It's great to have uh, someone who could turn the field like that. The, I really don't want to give him any uh any any attention. I like to save him for the losses, the lone bright spot. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. When he's the only thing that that makes you happy. Uh, all right. Uh, then I have one question though, Kevin. So there's this punter in college that apparently is just like the punting god. Is the, yeah, the second best punter. Yeah. No, do you think how high do you think this guy gets drafted though? Because there's a lot of hype behind Fourth. this guy. 
You think okay, so I, was I don't say, think, are the Buccaneers going to be picking fourth in the mod <laughs> in the modern NFL? I just don't think that you're going to see a punter drafted uh, day one or it's, day two. And it's San Diego State, right? It's yeah, the, San Diego State. And this guy, this guy um, is a junior, and people think he's going to come out early too, right? Like he's not going to stay. For, punter, punter coming out early, not going to go back for a senior. That's so. Oh, that's so. Well, dangerous. you know, just what do you have that much talent? He is really good. I watched <laughs> a video yard punt. This guy just like slams Matt, it. Was it like, Matt Ariza? Matt Ariaza, I think, or something. Yeah, this guy just slams it. It's like it. You know what? Michael Dixon would tip his cap to that. He'd go, "Good day, mate." That's a that is. Yeah, one here's of, the thing. Uh, has punt. he picked up? Has he picked up a ball on the fly and punted it on the run? No, because I mean, until he do. does that, I don't really have the time of day for him. That's on Dick Dixon's probably got the better trick punts. No question. No question. All right. Now here's the thing. Okay, so this game, we go up thirty to twenty three, and then there's no. No points in the fourth quarter. Did, I okay. Were they just trying to make this as stressful as an ex? The, the well, no, I blame Everett, man. There was going to be a touchdown there until yeah, he exactly. The, where, like, there's going to be a touchdown, and Everett just boops it off his hands. Like how how uh, how can they? Did the Seahawks like? Do, do they have a co- internal contest where they're like, <laughs> how can we make this game as stressful for our fans as humanly possible? Where it seems like, oh, there's no way we're going to lose, and uh, oh, then. Uh, yeah, they get the ball back, and it's like, oh my god, this is so stupid. I will like, say it was vintage Seahawks in that, even though it was close at the end there, and even when they were driving, I don't know. I just, I we were going to win. Uh, I wasn't honestly worried, even when they got down into the red zone. Dude, they not they didn't just get down to the red zone. They got down to the, like the three, right? Yeah. Like, though I will say, uh, watching in person, and if you watch the all twenty two, you'll see it too. You you know how people would say about the Legion of Boom era uh, defense that they would hold on every play with the philosophy that the uh, refs aren't going to call holding every single play. Mm -hmm. Mm. I feel like that is the blocking philosophy of San Francisco, that they are going to block in the back and hold on every play. And with the, uh, with the idea in mind that the refs just won't call it every single time. And Oh man, it's frustrating to watch. (laughs) I have, I do have a, I do have a tip for the 49ers, though, if they're trying to win a close game and it's third and three and then fourth and three from the red zone. Uh, I would probably not target Trent Sherfield twice. That's just like a general tip I have for. But sure, it's right Jim, in the name. Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, hey, if you're trying to win, you got all these other guys, Elijah Mitchell, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, who are like good. And you targeted or Trent Sherfield twice. So thanks, Jimmy G. I appreciate the win. Like you're an idiot. I don't, I don't know <laughs> that quality Jimmy G uh, decision making that's going to land him in the Hall of Fame. Well, and Tristan Sherfield is the guy who got the uh, illegal block on the on the Kittle catch too. That yes, he is. Yeah, he did not. Not a great drive for Trent Sherfield in the end of this game. All right, that's that's a that's about all I have to say about San Francisco versus Seattle. You guys got anything else? It was great to get a win. It was nice to to put us back in the win column. It was funny to see Pete Carroll just get so pumped up after the game about how we're not done yet or whatever dude i love man to man with uh <sighs> they were listening to soldier boy in the locker room you know no. they were happy <laughs> oh god it's, it's, it's Pete carroll is ridiculous like i i have been uh on some some good teams i've been on some very good teams and i've been on some very bad teams and uh in my life playing sports and i'll just say uh i don't know that way he keeps them mentally focused at four and eight and keeps them trying to win is 
honestly commendable because I just, I would be mentally checked out. I would be like, all right, how can I collect these paychecks? <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? Like I, I, would, I would not be, I would not be trying to, I mean, I know these guys got to play for jobs next year. A lot of them, cause you can just get cut at any moment, but, but we've all seen NFL players quit. Like we have seen people quit on their team left and right. Uh, go look at, watch, watch some games on Sunday. You will see some teams that have quit. It's yes. also kind of wild. This situation Lions, we're in where we're at. Well, the Lions don't quit, man. Dan Campbell's got them out there eating knees and winning games, baby. Watch, you, Watch those fact. linemen. Watch those linemen. No, that's quit. what I'm saying. No, I'm, 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 I'm with Nathan here. I think that the Lions are bought in. But on the other hand, you go watch Jacksonville. Jacksonville. No oh, one man. wants to be there. The ultimate quitter team. Yeah. Well, like I, they, I, they quit after week one. They have to put like a breadcrumb <laughs> trail of twenty dollar bills out to the huddle to get people to leave the bench. When you can see the fatigue after like the, in the first quarter, you know it's quitting time. That's like, what I mean by what I see. They look gassed the like Chris Carson after a fifteen yard. The Jags run. look gassed after week one, and that the, the Thanksgiving the game. Maybe that's maybe that's what I said about the Lions. Maybe it was the turkey. Maybe Dan Campbell just said, "Guys, you get <laughs> eat your turkey early." Yeah, the thing about the, the the Lions is they're not they're not good, but like they have played close games against a bunch of teams that they probably have no right be even being in the game with. They lost to the Ravens by two. They lost to the Vikings by two. They tied the Steelers, Browns by three, Bears by two. I mean, it's they they have been <laughs> in a bunch of games that that they probably don't have the talent to actually be in and i don't know i i would i would be excited if i was like a lions fan and dan campbell was my coach because that guy just seems awesome like you know, seems, the other thing is like so cool the roster construction <laughs> there's really interesting because they picked up some draft assets and stuff all right and by having stop. this is not a lions podcast <laughs> save it for the off season save it for the- save, save it for before our game against the lions Oh, yes. Actually, that's a great idea. Okay. Because instead, we're going to talk about Houston right now. And guess what? There's nothing to talk about. Houston is garbage. Okay. Yeah. Houston is much worse than the Lions. Uh, In terms of DVOA, they're only 3% apart. Uh, But I just, Houston has no heart. They aren't trying. Here's the thing about Houston. (laughs) Their their defense is actually not super bad. Um, they have a lot of veterans that are trying really hard because they know if they play good, they get jobs next year. Right. So they, it's a bunch of like veterans who People are smart. trying to play their way out of town. Yes. Right. They're trying to play, <laughs> they're trying to play their way onto a team. That's not the Texans next year. And then their offense is literally the worst. It's you, so you bad. You said they have no heart, but they also have no running back, no quarterback, no offensive linemen. No offensive linemen. Just not Brandon really Cooks. wide receivers. Yeah. Just Brandon Cooks, and that's yeah, it. Brandon that's Cooks. why I said wide receivers. They have wide yeah. receiver. They have like one skill position player who you're like, oh yeah, that's guy. And then you're like, they David Johnson. He's only 29 still somehow. Like it's so weird that he's just so washed at this point. And they they had all these running backs at the beginning of the year. Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay. They, those guys are gone now. It's just Rex Burkhead, uh, David Johnson. I don't know what they're doing there. And then, yeah, Tyrod Taylor got hurt last year, last week. I love how the f- initial sideline report slash uh, push alert I got about it said Tyrod Taylor was benched because they were getting killed. <laughs> but but uh, then later it came out. No, he's just he's actually super injured. He's like a he's torn benched ligament. because he's dead. He's benched because he has like a torn <laughs> ligament in his hand or something. It's like, yeah, if oh you got to if you're benching your quarterback for what, David Mills, you oh, are terrible. Davis Mills. General Mills, Mills, baby. Count Chocula. <laughs> For the record, though, can I also say, uh, so two things. Um, do you know who the sacks leader for the Houston uh, defense is? 
Oh, I, I was going to say Davis Mills because that was that would have been a funny joke if you just said that would have been a funny joke. He has twenty two times sacked. Uh, the sacks leader uh, for the. Can I look at their depth chart? Can I cheat a little bit? And, and yeah, I'll let you look at the depth chart. I got. Is I it, wait, no is, it Jacob, is it Jacob Martin? No, he's second with four, which is also really cool. Uh, okay, then I'm gonna go. Okay, I didn't. I, I I did that before I looked at the depth chart because I was excited. All right, then it's got to be like Jonathan Grenard or something. It is Jonathan Grenard, who's somebody who I really wanted us to draft, and uh, he's having kind of a breakout season for them on edge. He's have ten. So, he has like ten sacks or something, right? Eight. Yeah. I actually looked him up the other week because I needed a defensive lineman for our for our dynasty league. Okay, uh, this de- like I said, this defense has a lot of players who are pretty decent and like they try hard. This is a try hard defense that is playing okay they're not it's not a horrible defense it doesn't scare me this defense is not scary so the thing is they also only have one corner yeah uh if you look it's so funny if you look on dvoa um they're like oh yeah they're like pretty good against passes over the middle and they're okay against passes to the uh left side of the field they are dirt on passes to the right side of the field especially deep passes so if we just have like Russ's favorite thing, which is have DK or Tyler, Tyler run deep up the sideline and throw it deep. That's probably going to be good for two long completions this game. Easy. Okay, I have a question. Lonnie, John, Lonnie Johnson Jr., when they when he was in college, most people projected him as like a physical kind of cornerback in the Richard Sherman mold. Now he's playing strong safety, mm-hmm. backup safety for them, right? Yeah, he um, should be a press man corner. Yeah. They have bounced him back and forth between corner and safety. I really feel like that he needed development. Like that. that's yes, kind of... That's kind of stuff like that is why the Texans are a poorly run franchise. Like yep. you, you either develop that guy as a corner or you permanently move him to safety, but he has played in both positions many times this year. And I think you're right. That's why they have a weakness at second corner. Cause they should have just committed to Lonnie Johnson and been like, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll take the bad stuff to, to teach you how to do the good stuff. Cause this is a team that's not going to win this year. <laughs> okay. My other thing is Davis mills. Okay. we got to talk about Davis mills. Okay. He's completing 65% of his passes, seven touchdowns versus eight interceptions. His average uh, yards per attempt, five point, uh, five, or 5.3. Why Jeff Driscoll is not that bad of a backup. Why Why is Jeff Driscoll not playing instead of Davis Mills? Have because not- they wasted a draft pick on Davis Mills, and now they're doing everything they can to justify the wasted draft pick they spent on Davis Mills. That's why. That may be true. Davis Mills is high water mark. He scored 22 points against the Rams. Uh, he scored 22 against New England, which has turned out to be a very good defense. Other than that, nine zero three five zero. Those are his point totals in his other games. That is extremely bad. Cannot. I would predict that this week he also struggles to get over 10 points like usual. And I just don't understand why you'd roll that guy out there. Like it's just, it's, it's pointless, but I guess they are trying to lose. Probably it's probably part of it too. We wasted a third round pick. We don't want to win anyway. Um, let's make our draft picks next year better. They actually yeah, dude, have setting their... that third round pick on fire was not smart. I don't. Get they it. actually have their their draft pick next year, correct? Yeah. It's yeah, they the, finally you know, have them back after Tunsil. You know why they did it is they were using the Pro Football Focus draft uh, the draft <laughs> simulator, and I don't know if you know this, but if you take a quarterback in the draft simulator, it gives you an A plus no matter what. They like so, yo dog. We're getting an A plus draft. Yeah, we're going to get A-plus draft, guys. We'll take Davis Mills here. They'll give us an A-plus because... They must have felt so bad when the PFF people roasted them for taking Davis Mills. Yeah, it's just like... Then they were like, wait, you guys said that every quarterback draft pick was an A-plus. We were taking your advice. I'm so confused. All right. Um, I don't have much else to say about this team. It's pretty boring. Uh, Justin Britt revenge game, possibly. Uh, Kevin yeah, Pierre, Kevin so Pierre Lewis and Jacob Martin revenge game. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. 
Did, has uh, Kevin, honestly, did he... their pass rush, their pass rush might be a little bit of a problem for us. I wonder if Forsyth is going to get some play time, and if so, I'd be really interested in seeing how he handles um, a solid pass rush. Yeah, Martin uh, and, or Grenard. Yeah. yeah, but in general, uh, their linebackers are, have played pretty poorly, and as long as we don't let their pass rush and their safeties um, concern us too much, we should be able to play really well against yeah, them. I, I do think this is a good week to go to go deep a little bit to uh, to try to bust out the deep ball. Russ can go back to to Mister Unlimited. What I hope is that he doesn't let that go to his head. <laughs> that yeah. it doesn't become deep balls only uh, fest because we do he does we saw this week when he mixes it up when he keeps the ball uh, kind of close the thing. All right, you guys ready for playoff odds? You want to hear our playoff odds? Ooh. Let's hear it. So our playoff odds went up. 0.6% to 1.5%. So you're telling me there's a chance. We're, we're doing, doing it, boys. boys. We're doing it, boys. Uh, we have a 1.1% chance of getting the number 7 pick and a 0.4% or sorry, number 7 slot and a 0.4% chance of getting the number 6 slot. Uh, our division our division <laughs> odds have gone up in smoke. So boys. we beat the 49ers. We're going to play Houston, then the Rams. At Rams. At Rams is a big one. If, if we win... If we, if we we should beat Houston. If we lose to Houston, it's we're 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 burnt bread. We're well, we should we should be able to beat Houston, Chicago, and Detroit, no problem. And honestly, the Rams teams is stu- is stumbling. We yes. could win out and if, not actually learn something about whether or not this team is good. Yeah, the thing is, the Rams. <laughs> sad, Kevin. The Ram the Rams game is the is the litmus test to it. Like, am I going to start? Not am I going to stop making fun of Pete Carroll for for believing this team can make the plus? If we win in Houston and we go and win in the against the Rams. I will stop making fun of Pete Carroll temporarily for for being like this. We we're not dead yet, boys. We could still make these playoffs. Like I will. You know the you know the secondary benefit. Uh, us beating the Rams goes a long way towards the Cardinals benching everybody the last week of the season because they have nothing to play for. Dude, it's very likely they they are they are <laughs> the right now. The Arizona Cardinals have uh, the the best odds to get the number one seed. That's the thing, though, is only one team gets a buy now, so it is a lot harder to lock up the one seed going into the last week. It used to be, you know, you, you just lock up the buy, and who cares if you're the one or the two. Now teams really want to get that buy, and especially a grandpa team like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is going to be pressing to to keep up with Arizona. So yeah. I'm I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of skeptical that Arizona won't be trying to win in the last week against us, and. Even if they're not trying to win, we already lost to Colt McCoy once this year, so I'm not I'm not going to take that as a gimme. We'll get our revenge on it's not Colt McCoy, but it's not it's Colt McCoy away from home in Lumenfield. That's <laughs> yeah. Well, this is tragic. Arizona can Arizona's in the playoffs, man. They're in. So yeah, I'm I'm a uh, I'm sweating. I'm sweating, boys. I'm sweating. I'm not I, sweating because if we don't make the playoffs, then if we win these games, we get to stuff the Jets, which is. Uh, our our new goal if we miss the playoffs then we get to hear pete carroll say in a press conference yeah you know we just ran out of road you know we just we just need one more game in yeah, a season go, where he has 17 games if they go eight and nine yeah you know they, i'm they lose know one more game happen. or whatever yeah, just, oh we just if ran it was out a 23 game season we'd be, we'd got there yeah, we finished the way this, this team finished the playing. season one and one and eight one and six you know or six and one we were we were we were just kicking butt you know yeah what I what I love is when they show those Pete Carroll doing the doing the the, the stuff in the locker room too. Every time he cusses, they put inaudible. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, bro, we heard what he said. It was not. It was not inaudible. It was quite audible. It was. I was quite able to hear exactly what he was saying. But uh, okay, yeah, Houston sucks. Uh, All Seahawks, right, picking our points. Seahawks medium. 
here we go. Let's 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 pick and let's let's hear what you got. All right, Eric, start us off. Uh, back on the hope train, Seahawks thirty-eight, Houston thirteen. Thirteen. You're giving them more than ten points. Very kind. Well, they're just gonna have to kick the ball a whole lot, and there'll be some sort of defensive flub that leads to a touchdown. Okay, fair enough, Kevin. Uh, we're going to run more than I really want us to, so it's going to be 27-10. We won't, like, kill them as much as I would hope. Um, okay, I'm going to go Seahawks uh, 28, Houston Texans 10. All right. There are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so, head over to patreon.com slash seahawks nest for as little as a dollar 24 a month get access to the picks cast it's already up you could check it out the schwam has returned he's been released from this cage because the uh you know uh the dark the dark lord himself Werner herzog does not have to bring dread to us seahawks fans anymore uh so thank you to those who support this podcast patreons both new and old uh thank you for do it all to the tucci our newest uh our newest patreon and i think it actually they bumped up their their pledge now to a level where I have to say their name every time, no matter what, even when they're not the, the newest person. So Andy, Ooh. Brett, Greta, James, Carrie, Lucas, Ryan, Timothy, Tom, Emmanuel, Astro, Bob, Casey, Daniel, David. There it is. Do it all for the Tucci. Vlogmas Prime. Foles, Jay, Leon, Michelle, Mike, Mike, Richard, Thomas, Warwolf, uh, Brandon, and Nick. All right. So here we go. Movie Club. Guys, I don't know if you've heard, but the box office is back december is unleashed spider-man is coming out it is going to make 200 million dollars movies are back the box office is back uh so let's hear we're, we're here to talk about what movie coming out in december that we are most excited about um so i accidentally closed the tab where i had wrote <laughs> you, gotta, you guys are gonna have to listen to me talk a little bit but let's just talk spider-man for a second uh so Everyone's back in this new Spider-Man movie. We got Doc Ock. We got Jamie Foxx playing Electro. It's like Jamie Foxx, a very important Electro. Not only is he no longer blue, they made him not look so stupid. And his character had no hair in that movie. And now he somehow is like cut and handsome and has hair. Praise I have a be. great appreciation for the fact that these movies understand that the rogues gallery is why you like Spider-Man and do everything they can to make it. Yeah. Spider-Man is a relatable superhero, but not a, not like the most interesting one. What's cool about him is he's relatable and he fights really cool villains. So it's like, it's like, a okay, so here's movies coming out in Dece- in December that, uh, that we've got coming out. So, uh, we got West side story, we got uh, Adam McKay dropping a don't look up. Which is also on Netflix. Is that is it instant Netflix or is it a, is there a delay? I don't know. Uh, anyway. It's got to be instant. Anyway, uh, Spider Man No Way Home. We got the new Del Toro movie Nightmare Alley. We've got uh, Matrix Resurrections, uh, a new Kingsman movie that looks really bad. Uh, tra- tragedy of Macbeth, uh, Joel Cohen going solo with uh, with Denzel. So we got the Kurt Warner movie American Underdog. Anyone American Underdog Kurt okay. Warner. Licorice Pizza, the PTA movie. They did well, not Greg give... Kinnear reprise his role as Dick Vermeil and cry. <laughs> so Dick Vermeil is being played by Dick Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid. So, okay, here's the thing about this movie, okay, is that Kurt, both Kurt and Brenda Warner have very iconic hair, and they did not, <laughs> they did not nail it. They did not oh, nail it. I'm out, hard they out. Did, they didn't nail it. Like, I just, Kurt Warner, when I see Kurt Warner, I think, like, his hair is really, like, square. 
Uh, it looks like a, there's a square on top of his he head. He does have a Fred Flintstone head. And then Brenda Warner, man, it's got to be like the hair's got to be crazy. You know what I mean? It's got to be like out of control. And it's just not. It's just not out of control. So it's like the American underdog out. Do better with the hair next time. OK, like figure figure your stuff out. Unforgivable. It's it is. It really is un, unforgivable. Uh, I left out Sir, uh, Serrano, too, which is uh, the Peter Dinklage, Joe Wright thing that's coming out, too. OK, anyway, uh, let's start with uh, Eric. Eric, what movie? coming out december what, what are you going to see what, what are you going to break into theaters uh to see i know it's sing too so just go it's... ahead and tell us all about it <laughs> yeah but that's the thing when you have animation they don't need to sing you just you just buy the rights for the songs play it and the animals dance uh so besides spider-man's which i may or may not see in theaters uh i'm hoping to go see nightmare alley in theaters oh yeah okay Nightmare's it's a new, new guillermo del toro movie yeah. uh Here's the thing Del Toro does. He does spooky. He likes to do monsters and mysteries and um, kind of like the the world of the spookiness with uh, or, you know, strange with, uh, you know, what goes on in life. Look at the shape of water. It was it was about a merman and how the government's out to get him. And it was a love story. Fairly odd when you describe it, but a really good movie. Uh, this movie, I'm trying to not really read too much about it. From so, what I understand, oh, stellar cast though. Yeah, hold on, hold on. From what I understand, it may not be a spooky movie. It may so, just be a con man who goes after like a you know some carnival people, like a clairvoyant, um, maybe someone who can see the future, and uh, tries to uh, swindle people by endearing them into this group of rich people. That's what I know about it. So here's the thing. I, I have a similar experience where I saw that it had Bradley Cooper and Willem Dafoe and uh, Rooney Mara in it. And I'm like, okay, this is good. They're in a Del Toro movie. This is cool. Yeah, so Tony Collette, Kate Blanchett. Yeah. I read the I read the description. It said, an ambitious carny with a ta- uh, carny with a talent for manipulating people. And I stopped reading. I was like, all right, good uh, enough. I yep. read like five words. I was like, and that's it. That's all I need to know. I'm not, I've not seen a trailer. I have not seen anything about it. I'm going to see this movie. It looks, I mean, I, the, the, the poster plus those five words was enough for me. That's, that's all it took. You see Ron Wait. Perlman's in it too? Hell of course. Yeah. And, Mary like, Ste- like, and Mary Steenberg too. Him. Yeah. And Tony Collette, David Strathairn, like really good. Yeah, this movie's gonna be sick. I'm already. Yeah. Excited I hope to about see it. it. Uh, my wife will not want to see it. So my wife, my wife, waiting for hey. that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was. I laid off Kevin's. It's been a while. About it's been a while. Ago, it's been a while. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So there you go. That's my. That's my pick. Okay. Uh, so let's let's uh, go, Kevin. Kevin, what are you what are you thinking? Okay, so two movies that I am really interested in: uh, West Side Story and Nightmare Alley. Um, the issue with those two movies is they are both over two and a half hours in runtime. Um, so I am not entirely sure I will make it to the theaters for those. I a lot might of snapping in West Side for, Story too. I might brave that for Nightmare Alley because it just looks like a movie that, um, like period pieces on big screens, and Del Toro knows how to do audio, so it's probably worth it, and I'll strongly consider that. But I am and always have been a sucker for a Shakespeare adaptation. I love it when they take Shakespeare and move it into a different time or place. But I'll take just a regular old, uh, a regular old adaptation when you're talking about having uh, Denzel Washington, Francis McDormand, uh, Joel Cohen, um, Brendan Gleeson. Uh, Stephen Root has a minor part in here because like, I just can't get enough Stephen Root in my life anyway. So I am pretty excited about the tragedy of Macbeth. Um, it should be stylistic. It should be cool. And I, I just feel like 
the floor on this movie is so high, I'm unlikely to have anything except for yeah. a good time. It goes to Apple Plus on January 14th, too. And that's like the most underrated uh, streaming service, I feel like. It's it's really cheap. Uh, it has really good original content. The thing is, the library is not huge. So you kind of have to trade off with uh, with that. But if you're how looking much is, for how much is Apple Plus? bang for your buck, I think it's like six bucks a month. It's like, well, not it's not expensive. terrible. Um, I can't get Paramount. I can't get Apple Plus, but maybe I'll fold. Uh, it's five bucks a month. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. The but the thing is the 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 library is not huge. But I, you know, you just do do what I do. You know, you I know Greyhound? I know someone else who has it and just get their password. <laughs> Time to start buttering up to my coworkers. So guys, let me tell you something though. You guys are missing out on something. It's a movie I didn't mention because I just wanted to know that there's a movie that's coming out and I get to see something that I've always wanted to see, which is Stephen A. Smith do a voice in an animated <laughs> film. I'm just kidding. That is that is a real thing that's happening. That's Rumble, but that's not the movie I'm going to talk about. I'm just messing with you guys. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this this is a real good friend of mine. <laughs> just imagining the Stephen A. Smith. Hey, hey, Stephen, I just want you to just rant. Just talk about nothing. We'll, My we'll pal Kobe Bean Bryant. Kobe <laughs> Bean Bear. Yeah. It's an animated bear. It's, it's a wrestling movie, too, so it's got Roman Reigns in it. So it should be great. Okay. The... Uh, it's an animated wrestling film. The The Matrix Resurrections is my movie. If His many animated character couldn't get over oh, either. We all knew this was your long time listeners will know. Is it? Is it? Is it going to be as good as the Matrix? That uh, something that my father has uh, instilled in me that's they he loves the Matrix. My dad. It's his favorite. The original movie. still holds up too. He loves the Matrix, and yes, exactly. The original still holds up. Uh, this movie. One, I have like complete trust that they're going to make it good. Like, I just like, I don't know why, like the trailer, the first trailer, I had to watch it because I, I didn't have faith after the, I think the first matrix movie is really good. The second one, the action is cool, but like, it's just kind of a big pile. Like they just kind of threw too many things in and didn't sort them out enough. And then the third one I felt like is a good movie, but not a great movie. So it's like, I'm, I'm like thirsty. I'm like ready. I'm like, can they recapture the magic? But it's just been a long time. And it's, I like that it's set 20 years after the original movie. And, and, uh, it's, it's gonna be, I don't know. And that they add the actors they've added are awesome. Like Yaya Abdul Mateen and, and like, uh, stuff like there. Neil Patrick Harris is in this movie. I'm into that. Really? Like this is, oh, this is, me. this is gonna be sweet. This movie's gonna be sweet. Everyone should be excited about it. Uh, yeah. Keanu, when you want to think that's cool about Keanu Reeves? Is like people say like he's a better actor than people give him credit for. Let's start with that. But uh, the fact that he can act with like a kind of a limited uh, range actually enhances his performances in these particular movies because he has these just this understated reactions and it's like it really works. And then that way when he ramps it up, like when he freaks out when he first leaves the Matrix, it like really it's it stands in stark contrast to the to the other side of that coin, which I really like. Uh, Once he learned how to turn down scripts that he shouldn't be doing, he really has put together a cool career. Yeah, he's he's just he's like just he just got haunted by some. Yeah, I about to say he got haunted by some like uh, late eighties to early nineties selections of scripts that he had no business being given. Um, and it's not really good when he inflection. picks a good script. He's really good. And then when yeah. you when you watch Speed, just recognize like this yeah. is Keanu Reeves playing Al Pacino in Speed. Like it's it's a it's a oh, really oh it's job. a can it's a bunch of can. <laughs> <laughs> so all right, uh, yeah, they, and then yeah, I'm just pumped for this movie. I'm like super excited. I think it 
it's got the a good side shot. of the bus shows yeah. some great ads. <laughs> the problem for me is I'm gonna watch it the first. I want to want to watch it the first moment I possibly can, and for me that's probably gonna be on Max, right? Because it can stream it. I can stream it digitally uh, on the first day, yeah. and it's gonna be pretty hard for me not to 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 resist not just watching it the first moment I possibly can because I'm a total. Because you're definitely like not going to be uh, going to the theater on Christmas Day. Yeah. And well, not on Christmas Day, but yeah, well, not with, I have two kids, little kids yep, now. The theaters are the theaters kind of out for me, even if it wasn't a pandemic, just because I have two <laughs> kids, three and under. But yeah, it's a it's especially out. So all right, let's we'll uh, we'll wrap that up. Uh, Eric, I know if we, we we extended this out, your biggest movie is The Batman, right? Oh, for next year, for next 21. year, yeah, we we'll and talk then, about the Batmans all yeah, next year. And then Kevin, you said there's a February movie you're really excited about. What was it? There's a lot of movies I'm excited about coming up. Uh, so uh, one Just of the movies I'm... Just give me the, the one. So uh, the preview for The Black Phone, uh, the Ethan Hawke serial killer movie, just looks really interesting. And I'm extremely curious. And then, uh, yeah, I'd say the, the, the 2020... This, you guys are going to laugh at this, but I'm kind of excited for Jackass Forever. <laughs> Oh, I see. I love those movies. I I know I'm judged by Kevin, but I do love those movies. They're just it's they're stupid. They're fun. They're something they make you me just, laugh. They're something you guys watch so whenever you want to watch. There's something you just throw on and, and get a get a few good laughs. Kevin, I, it's not like we said Aquaman too. Something about the way that Knoxville that, and Steve-O that, in, par- in particular have kind of aged in a way that has made them made me like them more. Does that make sense? Uh, anyway, whatever. You know what movie for, I'm stupidly excited for Lightyear. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. That's fair. That looks yeah. dope. That is that. It is stupid to be excited about the movie. For Kevin, for yeah. we will see you next week. Go Hawks.